Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you. I want to give a shout out to Jordan, who I met at the Candy Crawl. Thanks for being with us today. Jordan, so glad that you're here. And I want to welcome all of those worshiping out in Prescott Valley. We are so honored to have you with us as well. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to Romans chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. Romans chapter 5. If you're a newcomer with us, we are walking our way line by line, verse by verse, through the book of Romans. And so you are diving in right in the middle. We're like week 15 of this thing. So it is going to feel like you've you're jumping onto a train that's already rolling, but you can always catch up uh, through our uh, website or our app or on YouTube, so they're all there. But today, we're in chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 6. And so as we've done throughout this series, I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand wherever you are, and we're going to read our text out loud this morning, and then we'll unpack it together today. This is the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6, says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word, and we pray today that it would produce fruit in us. May we have ears to hear what you want to speak over us and in us today. Through the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you. 
Well, again, today we are jumping in right in the middle of this text. They all do kind of build off of each other. So before we dive into our text for the day, I do want to make sure that we take at least one half step back and remember what we talked about a little bit last week at the beginning of chapter 5, because Paul begins chapter 5 with this phenomenal promise, this declaration that I want to make sure that we remember today. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Like this is an amazing statement. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, this isn't some feeling that we have, the peace of God. That's not what it says, peace with God. This is what happens when two warring entities come to a place at the end where they sign a peace treaty. We have, we have peace now with God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we ended last week. We have peace with God. And because we are now at peace, because we're no longer God's enemies, there's some promises to come. We now are invited into his presence. We're not cast from them. We are now uh, meet his standard of glory. We don't fall short of God's glory. We now get to experience the love of God in our hearts through his spirit today. These are amazing gifts that come through faith in Jesus. That's how chapter five begins. But here's the question I want to wrestle with today. How did it happen? Yeah, yeah, it came through faith in Jesus, but what happened that brought us peace with God? How do we get peace with God? How did it come to pass that we were able, through Jesus, something Jesus did that brought us peace with God? What happened? That's what I want us to talk about today. And I think that's what our text answers today. And here's how Paul answers that question. You see, this is how it all happened. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is how it happened. Christ died for the ungodly. Now, let me pause for a second. How many of you would put yourself in the ungodly camp? Okay. I got some good news and bad news, okay? The fact that all of you didn't raise your hand makes me feel like I'm a bad pastor. Because I feel like we, if you've been here thus far, you should know you belong in the ungodly camp, all right? But again, let me, good news and bad news. Um, the bad news is, okay, so the, the bad news is if, if you're not ungodly, then Jesus didn't die for you. Because Jesus died for the ungodly. So if you're not in the ungodly camp, then Jesus didn't die for you. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. If you truly are Godly, like if you're not in the ungodly camp, the good news is you don't need Jesus to die for you, so you're good on your own. Good luck with that. <laughs> Christ died for the ungodly. Which again, if you don't realize that that's your camp, then go back and listen to the first 10 weeks of this series. I tried to make sure you knew that. You are in that camp, okay? Jesus died for the ungodly. And it's through his death, Christ died for the ungodly, and it's through his death that we get all of those amazing promises that we just saw in the first five verses. 
And it says he did this at just the right time. At just the right time. Now, there's a lot that could go into that, and I'm not more than what we could talk about today. What does he mean by just the right time? I think this next phrase tells us, when we were still powerless. Like when we were powerless, when we had no strength left, when we had no way to save ourselves, when we had, when we were all drowning in our sin and we could not get our head above water at just the right time, Jesus came and he rescued us. He rescued us. And, and don't miss this. He did not just come and pull us out of danger. Jesus rescued us by taking our place. Again, it is not like he rescued us by throwing a lifeline from the safety of a boat to pull us in. That's not what happened. He didn't rescue us by throwing a life vest from the side of the pool. That's not what happened. He didn't rescue us by plucking us out of the danger. He rescued us by himself taking on the danger. He is the lifeguard who jumps in the water and allows us to get our head above water by standing on his shoulders. He is the soldier who throws himself on top of the live grenade to save his squad. He is the man who jumps on the tracks to push, to push someone out of the way of the coming train only to be hit himself. He is the firefighter who runs into the building to get everyone else else out at his own expense. He is the teacher who stands in the doorway and faces down the gunman to protect her students. Like Jesus didn't just rescue us. He died for us. He rescued us by taking on himself the consequences of our being ungodly. So then, at just the right time, when it looked as if all hope was lost, while we were powerless to change the outcome of the circumstances, Jesus came and rescued us by dying in our place. And that's why we get to experience peace with God. That's why we get to experience access to God. Now, likely, if you've been in church world for very long, you already knew that. And it's a little bit ho-hum for you, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Heard that before. What else you got there, pastor? I got up early for this. It's cold outside. But Paul wants to make sure that we understand just how astonishing this is. And so Paul says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. How many of you would sacrifice your life, willingly sacrifice your own life for somebody else? You don't have to raise your hand. Hang on, I'm going to poke at you in a second. So don't raise your hand yet. I don't want to put you on the spot. I want to take it out of an emergency situation for a minute. Because here's what I do know. Like, if there was an emergency situation, many of you would act. You would just go do the thing and put yourself in harm's way. You wouldn't know 
It, it, you didn't know I'm, if I'll make it or I won't make it, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to put myself in harm's way. If something happened, you would just, you just act. You just do that. I want to take it out of the emergency situation for a moment, okay? I, I want you to think about it this way. Imagine you went down to the hospital, and on the outside of the hospital, they had a clipboard with a list of names on it, Okay? And these are a list of names of people who need a heart. And you just so happen to have a heart. Most of you. <laughs> and so you go down there and you, you know, if I, you can, like there's a system in place that you can go down and you can choose somebody on the list to give your heart to. Like, you know, they're going to die if they don't get it. And so I can give them mine and they will live and I will die. Now, the question becomes, how many of you are going to go down there, find a name on the list and give up your heart? Like, this isn't an emergency situation. Like, you know, it's going to be three months and I'm going to have to go through these tests and I'll have to do the thing. But there's a date on the calendar. In 90 days, I'm going into the hospital and I'm not coming out. I will die. They will live and I will die. How many people would you do that for? Who's on the list that you would give up your own life to save theirs? For your kids? Yeah, probably. Their name was on the list. You went down there, saw your kid's name. Yes, I'll do it. I'll give up my heart so that they can live. Your grandkids? For sure, 100%. I'm in. I would die so that my grandchildren could live. Your spouse? <laughs> Maybe. I think it depends on the circumstances, right? You might. Your parents? Probably not. I'll see you on the other side. You had a good run. Your brother or sister? Maybe. Again, I think it depends on the circumstances. If, if your sister has young children still at home and you don't, and there might be this thing in you that says, I want, I want my sister to be able to to raise their children. I want them to have a parent. So maybe your neighbor? Would you do it for your boss? You're going to do it for the cop who pulled you over last Saturday night? You're going to do it for a perfect stranger? Would you do it for your favorite political candidate? Yeah, like, I'll canvas for them. I'll put signs in my yard. I'll go down. I'll give money. I'll, I'll go get signatures on their back. Are you going to die for them? Their name's on the list. Are you going to check the box and say, take my heart and give it to them? Would you do that? That's the point Paul's making here. How many people are on the list? How many people would you actually intentionally give up your life for? My guess is that list is very, very small. Which again is Paul's point. 
Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, somebody might possibly dare to die. The list is very small. Someone whose life is worthy of emulating, you might actually decide to do that. But but don't get caught up on what's the difference between a righteous person and a good person. That's not really the point. The point is, as we've already discovered in this series, is you weren't either of these. You aren't righteous and you aren't good. You're not. And yet, and yet, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we weren't righteous, even though we weren't good, he died for us. Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for the unrighteous. So imagine this. Imagine you go down to the hospital and you pull up the clipboard and you see the list of names. And on the list of names, there's nothing but evil people. Like they're all evil. Like grossly evil. Like it's all murderers and rapists. The whole list is full of child abusers and wife beaters. You look at the list and on it is the man who sexually abused you. You look at the list and there's the woman who destroyed your family. You look at the list and it's all the leaders of the Colombian drug cartel who shipped in the fentanyl that took the life of your grandson. You look at the list and it's the BTK killer. It's Kim Jong-un. It's Vladimir Putin. It's the 9-11 terrorist. It's David Duke. It's Jelaine Maxwell and Bill Cosby. That's who's on the list. Which one of those people would you say, yes, yes, in 90 days, take my heart and give it to them? Who are you doing that for? And that's the point. You're not going to do it for any of them. You're not going to lay down your life for any of those people because they're evil. I mean, somebody might be talked into having given their life for Mother Teresa or Steve Jobs or Princess Diana. There might be somebody who would look and say, yes, their life adds value to the world and their influence is good in the world. And so I would sacrifice myself for them because they add worth to the world. But nobody is giving themselves up for evil people. But that's exactly what Christ did. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until we got our act together. He didn't wait to see if we would become something worth saving. He died for us while we were still evil. And don't miss this. When Paul writes, while we were still sinners, for him, that's a firsthand personal experience. Think about it. When Paul was alive, Paul was alive when Christ was being crucified. Paul was a Pharisee. He could have very well been one of those in the crowd who were chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Paul was alive. Paul was being an enemy of God the very same day as Jesus was being nailed to the cross. Paul was a mile down the road while the hammer was swinging 
And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Paul, in that very moment, was living as an enemy of Jesus. And so when Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For Paul, it was literal. Literally in the same moment. And I don't want you to miss this. Look what the text says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us. Don't blow past this. What happened at the cross was not Jesus jumping in front of the bullet that God fired intending to take us out. That's not what happened. What happened on the cross was God demonstrating his love for us. The cross is the demonstration of God's love for us, his own love. It was God's plan. He sent his son, God the Father sent his son to take our place because he loved us. The cross is a demonstration of the love of God for us. Not just Christ's love for us, but God's own love for us. The Father's love for us. There's a conversation that I have a lot as a pastor where I'll have people come and tell me, Jason, I just don't think God loves me. I don't feel like God loves me. And I'll always ask, what would make you think that God doesn't love you? And, I, and it always comes back to something like this. So wh- why, why don't you think God loves you? Well, because if God loved me, then this thing wouldn't be happening to me. I mean, if God really loved me, then I would be healed. If God really loved me, he wouldn't take my child. If God really loved me, my marriage would be better. If God really loved me, my child wouldn't have walked away from the faith. If God loved me, my finances would be better. If God loved me, I would find the one. If God loved me, I wouldn't have been abused. If God loved me, this pain would go away. If God loved me, then my life would be better than this. If God loved me, then I would feel this thing in me, but I don't feel it. So I don't think God loves me. And so I hear this all the time. And what, what's happening in that moment is, is people are looking for the evidence of the love of God in their circumstances. But Paul doesn't do that. In fact, where does Paul tell us that God demonstrates his love? Where does he put his love on display? God put his love on display. God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Where did God display his love? On the cross. You want to look for evidence of the love of God in your life? Stop looking at your circumstance and look at the cross. Look at what he saved you from. Look at what he placed on his own son so he wouldn't have to place it on you. The cross is what you and I deserve. The wrath of God poured out on us. That's what we deserve forever. But because of God's own love for you, he put that on his son to die for you. Again, don't miss this. When you read that he died for us, for us, don't just read it as he died because of us. That's not not all that it means. When you read for us, 
You need to hear instead of us. That he died instead of us. He took our place. He got what we deserved. That's how you know that God loves you is that he sacrificed his son for you. That's the demonstration of his love. Again, would you do that for someone that you love? Sacrifice your own child for an evil person in your life? Would you do that? No, you wouldn't. But that's what God did. God did that through Christ. He looked at the list and on it was nothing but evil people. Nothing but sinners, nothing but ungodly, unrighteous, evil sinners, namely you and me. And it wasn't that he did it on a whim in an emergency situation without thinking. No, no, no. He planned out every detail of it and he had it on the calendar. And he says, on this day, he'll give up his life so that they can have theirs. So stop. Let's stop looking to our circumstances as the gauge of God's love for us. And let's look where Scripture tells us His love was on display. God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's not all the good news. Since we now have been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Justified, again, means that we've been made completely right with God again. The relationship with God has been perfectly restored. We enjoy a right standing with God right now. God is no longer against us. He is for us. He is now our advocate, not our adversary. He is our father, not our foe. And that's the good news, and it happens right now. And And Paul points out that if that's true, if that's true, that we now have been justified right now, it's already happened, how much more will will we be saved from God's wrath through him? We'll be saved from God's wrath. In in other words, there's going to be a day when the wrath of God comes on sinners in the world. Judgment is coming. And he says, but the good news is, if we've been justified by his blood, by his death now, How much more are we going to be saved from that day when his wrath gets poured out on all? And again, I got to make sure that we see this today. Some of us need a tweak in our theology. I want you to notice what it says. We aren't saved from the devil. And we aren't saved from hell. What are we saved from? It's on the screen. We are saved from God's wrath. We are saved from God's wrath. We are saved from God's right, just, righteous punishment for the evil that we have committed. That's what we're being saved from. Through the death of Christ, God put on the punishment that we deserved, he gave it to his son and Jesus volunteered and said, I'll take the wrath on their behalf. And that's not all. For if while we were God's enemies, pause, as we said last week, 
This is you. This was you. Outside of saving faith in Jesus, this is you. You are his enemy. You're not his friend outside of Jesus. And we'll talk about why that is next week. Come back for that one. For while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? If if God brought us back to himself through the death of his son, how much more blessing are we gonna get through the life of his son? In other words, the death of Jesus was not the end of the story. Jesus died in our place, but he did not stay dead. He was resurrected from the dead so that when he died, we got to live. And the blessing that we got from his death only intensifies with the blessing we get because he lives. Like it, it isn't that, we, that he died just to save us from something. He actually died to save us to something, namely to be reconciled back to God forever. He saved us so that we could spend eternity with him. He didn't just save us from something. He saved us to something. Life with him forever. Not only so, not only is this so, it is so, but not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Back in chapter three, Paul asked the question, where then is boasting? Where then is boasting? And the answer is, it's right here. We now boast in God. We get to boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ because through him, because of the love of the Father and the willingness of the Son, we have now received reconciliation. We've been brought back into a right relationship with God. And so we boast in him because he gets all the credit for it. He is the one, God is the one who made this reconciliation possible. Think about that for a moment. The offended party, God, the offended party, the one who was sinned against, did everything that was needed to make reconciliation possible. The, offend, the offenders, the offensive ones, did nothing to make reconciliation possible. The offended party took on all of the weight and all of the shame and all of the pain. The offended party did all of the work to bring the offensive ones back into a relationship with him. Which is why we boast in God. We get no credit. We did nothing. We didn't make it happen. It wasn't something that we earned. It was a gift that we have now received. All we do is stand there with open hands and say, thank you. You get all the credit. You get all the glory. I receive the gift that you have to offer me because I couldn't earn it. I just receive it. So we boast in God because he gets all the glory. And that's the way we want to end our time together is remembering the gift, replaying the glory, 
It is God's gift. And we want to boast in Him and never in us. So we're going to sing a song together. I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's boast in God together today. Father, we are grateful for this time to be reminded of what you have done. That you demonstrated your love for us on the cross. It wasn't something that we did. It's something that you did. It's not something we've earned. It's something that you've given. That you died for the ungodly, the unrighteous, and you reconciled us to ourselves. You saved us from wrath and you saved us to your own glory. And for that, we want to give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.